Today we are in our fifth and final installment of a series that we've called Get Your Life Back. Everybody say, Get Your Life Back. That's what we're trying to do, is to get our life back. And, and we've talked about getting your life back from uh, when it comes to forgiveness, getting your life back when it comes to your finances, getting your life back when it comes to um, your marriage. And then last week we started a, a topic on getting your life back when it comes to depression. And so many of us have battled with depression. We've, we've gone through mental health crisis or whatever that looks like for you. And, and so I just believe that... Uh, God can give us our life back. We don't have to live that way anymore in Jesus' name. Amen? So um, before I brighten your day with the topic of depression, okay, uh, before I brighten your day, I thought it would be good to remind you what God says about you. And what God says about you is that you're the head and not the tail. What God says about you is Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to depress you. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come, Jesus said, that you would have life and life abundantly, that you would have life to the full. And that's what, what, that's what God wants for you. John said it this way. He said, my prayer for you is that you would prosper and you would be in good health just as your soul prospers. So evidently, it's God's will for us to not live in depression, to not live in anxiety and fear. Can I get a witness today? But some people, though, would say uh, they have this uh, if, if only if only syndrome, and, and that is, if only I were more like them. If only my life was more like that. If only I was a celebrity, then I wouldn't have all of these problems in my life. If, if only I was more like Jennifer Aniston. Well, let's see what happened with Jennifer Aniston in 2020 last year. Oh, come on. It's been hard on her, right? Oh, if I could only be like... If I could only be like Julia Roberts, what, ha what happened to her? Oh, man. It's been hard. It's been hard on Julia. Some of you, some, for some of you older folks in the room, what about Cher? If I could just be like Cher. If I could just be like Cher, it would just, uh, things would be better in my life, right? Well, that, that's the trap that we fall into is if I could only be like them or if I, could, if I just had that, it's the comparison trap that we talked about last week, Right? And so today, what I want to do is just remind us, I want to encourage us that it's time to get our life back, everybody, that God has more for your life, that God never intended for you to just cope with things, to just go through life, going through the motions, but what God has for you is he wants you to know him in a life-giving, intimate way. He wants you to find freedom from your yesterdays and settle the past and settle the things that you've been dealing with in life. He wants you to discover purpose so that you can live your life to make a difference. Do you believe that? I believe that's what he wants for us. And so today we're going to deep dive into this topic. We're actually going to continue last week's message. So last week we talked about the prophet Elijah. He is Old Testament prophet but he also appears in the New Testament too, at the transfiguration of Jesus. So uh, that's in Matthew. You can read about that. But Elijah is, he, he's, he's an incredible man of God. And he had just had these two major victories where God shows up in a powerful way. Like, like he's, in this, he's in this competition with the false prophets. Fire falls from heaven, consumes his sacrifice, and then they go and destroy all of these false prophets. And it's, it's a major victory for the kingdom of God. And then, on top of that, it, there had been a drought for three years. And Elijah prays a prayer that ends the drought. And there's this monsoon, this rainstorm, torrential rain that falls. And, and it's because of Elijah. So he has these two victories. 
And then two verses later, three verses later, he's running for his life. I mean, how do you go from mountain high to valley low like that? Right? And, and that's what we learn is that that's the way depression works. We're oftentimes, we expend, we, oftentimes we experience our lowest moment when we've just had our mountaintop experience. And so we're going to look at his story today, and we're going to pick up where we left off. Last week we left off where he is going into the wilderness, and he finds a broom bush to sit under. And here's where we pick up. It's 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 5. It says that he lay down under the broom bush, and he fell asleep there. And at once, an angel touched him and said, Elijah, get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. Come on, wouldn't it be nice to just have breakfast in bed like that? You know what I'm saying? Just, it'd be so awesome. So, so he ate and he drank, and then he laid down again. And then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So I want you to notice what happens. He falls asleep. He takes a nap. He wakes back up and eats something. He goes back to sleep, takes another nap, wakes up again, eats some more. And and notice this, that it says, the journey is too much for you. And Elijah had 40 days of journey ahead of him that God was calling him on. And when I see that phrase, that the journey's too much of you, it reminds me of so many of us who th- we're dealing with something where the journey's too hard for us. Like, we were never meant to do what we're doing. We're staying so busy. We've got so much on our plate. We've got so many decisions to make. The journey is too hard. It's too much for us. And so that leads me to the first thing I want to talk about today, and, and it's the step, first step of five steps that we need to take to get out of the cave of depression, all right? Are you ready for the five steps? Okay, so um, last week I told you what gets you in the cave of depression, and this morning before the first service, this guy said, Pastor, you gonna tell us what gets out of the cave? You gonna, he said, he, actually I think he said it this way, you gonna get us out of the cave today? Like, yes, gonna get you out of the cave. All right, so the first of five steps to get out of the cave of depression is you gotta step into a needed recovery. What is that, Pastor Ben? The Bible says that he was strengthened by that food. What does that mean? It means that he got healthy physically. He couldn't go on the journey that God was calling him to go on if he wasn't first healthy physically. And for some of us, we we just need to get healthy from a physical standpoint. Some of you, you need to go home today. Pastor Ben, Dr. Ben is going to write you a prescription today. I'm not a doctor, by the way, just, just, just kidding about that. Pastor Ben, we're going to write you a prescription. Go home and take a nap. Oh, but I got I to mow the yard today. You, no, you, you don't have to. I got all this stuff on my plate I got to do today. No, no, you don't. Like, you could rest. You could, take, you, could, you could eat something and fall asleep and wake up again and eat some crumble cookies or something. Probably not, that, probably not that. That's probably not the best thing for you to eat. But, like, you know, for some of you, it's maybe a change of diet to get healthy physically. For some of you, it's, it's maybe a fitness exercise. Maybe for some of you, you are in a dark room all, all day, every day, and it's just you need to get out and get some sunlight, everybody. You need to get, you need to get in, out and enjoy nature, right? Maybe for some of you, it's, it's, the, it's just fast food. It's all you ever eat, and you just need to change your lifestyle a little bit. And so um, some of you, though, uh, this is not everybody, but I think some of you, maybe in this room today, are too sick to get healthy. 
How is that possible? For you to be too sick to be healthy. You ask anybody who needs a kidney transplant, and they'll tell you that, that your body has to be healthy enough to receive that transplant or you're going to be worse off than you were before. That your body has to, it has to be healthy enough in order for the doctors to do that surgery. Otherwise, it's not going to work. And maybe there's a couple of you here today who you're just, you're, you're so sick that, that you, you can't receive God's solution for you because you're, you haven't gotten healthy. And I want to encourage you, to, today's the day, everybody. Today's the day to get your life back. Today's the day to get your life back. So, um, what do we do, Pastor Ben? What do we do about getting our life back? Well, I think, I think here's, here's the solution. You have to control what you can control. And that is your T-I-M-E. For those of you who need help with that, that's time. Okay, time. What was T-I-M? You need some help. You just need to recover. Recover what you can recover. Your time. And, and what, what I'm talking about is we're so, we're so driven. We're pushed to the max. I mean, we've, we've got all of these things going on in our life. We are dealing with uh, exhaustion and we're tired and we're worried. And we've got all of these sports activities for our kids. And we're saying yes to everything. And we were never meant to say yes to everything. Jesus and his, and his disciples walked at the pace of three miles an hour. There was no rush. There was no hurry. It took weeks for, for news to get to somebody. So, like, you just, you just got to move at a slower pace, and you've got to take control of what you can control. That is your time. Because here's the reality. If, if you don't prioritize your life, then someone else will. Come on, let's throw that up on the screen. If you don't prioritize your life, somebody else is going to do it for you. Somebody else is going to, uh, your ball team is going to do it for you. Your school is going to dictate that for you. Your work is going to tell you what you ought to do. Hey, the, the government will tell you what you need to do. The, the, every, everybody will tell you what you need to do if you don't prioritize it yourself. So you've got to take control of what you can control. I love what the psalmist said in Psalm 90, that we've got to number our days. Or recognize how few our days really are. That we can't do it all. That it, just because it's doable doesn't mean it's sustainable. That you can't do, you can't keep pushing yourself to the limit and expecting things to change. You're going to have to spend your days as you should. And when you talk to somebody on their deathbed, what they never say is, boy, I really wish I had worked more. Nobody on their deathbed ever says, you know, I spent way too much time with my family. You know, I, I, should, I should have spent less time with them and more time on the greens. Nobody says that. But, but they will say, I wish we'd taken more family vacations together. I wish I'd spent more time. I wish I wouldn't lived in bitterness towards my son or my daughter. I wish I, wouldn't, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have taken more time off of work. And so for some of you today, maybe the prescription is to take a day off. Come on, just take a day off. Well, Pastor Ben, I just don't have time for that. I don't have time to take a day. I've got too much on my plate. There's too much on the agenda to take a day off. And if, if that's you, if that's what you're feeling right now, I would respond to you very lovingly and kindly, but I would say to you, then what you're telling God is, I don't trust you to take care of me. Because God says in his word, he gives us this, this command to obey the Sabbath, which is, which is to have a day of rest. And when you say, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to take a day off, I'm going to keep pushing the limits, God, I don't trust that you're going to take care of me. 
And so I'm going to take matters in my own hands because, God, you, you're really, I don't, I don't think you can do it for me. And I don't mean to step on your toes today, but I think the best thing that we could do for our lives sometimes is take our hands off the wheel and to let God do something in us and through us. Amen. Amen. So, um, so that's, that's the first step. But, but we're, in a, we're in a sequence of scripture here. We're just outlining this scripture. And it goes on in verse, verse 9 through 12. It says that there, once he, once he got to the mountain of God, he, sp- he went into a cave and he spent the night there. Okay, so not only does he go to a literal cave, but he's also in this cave of depression. And when he's there, the word of the Lord came to Elijah and he said, Elijah, what are you doing here, man? And there's no condemnation coming from God. There's no guilt coming from God. He's just like, Nate, why, why are you here? Why are you here? And, and then it says that he, he replied. He, he, has, he has this complaint. And he goes, well, I've, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. And you can kind of hear the crying in his voice. He's cracking up, right? He's like, the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword, and now I'm out here running from the law. The king and queen's chasing after me, said they're going to kill me too. He's just, he's complaining. He, he, he is running from the, 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 a threat, all right? And so he's, he's, he feels like he's the only one left. But I want you to notice what happens in the next verse. That God says, well, here's what I want you to do, Elijah. Here's, here's a, another step for you is I want you to go out and stand in the presence of the Lord. I want you to go on on the mountain and stand in the presence of the Lord because the Lord is about to pass by. And what I would tell us today, that one of the best steps that you could take, all right, now I'm not, uh, hear me, I'm not against therapy. That's not what I'm saying. I told you that last week. There are moments and times when we need therapy, when we need medicine, but it's not the fix-all for every single person, okay? But what we do need is sometimes the best medicine for us is to get into the presence of God. The best medicine is to experience the power of God in our lives. Come on, somebody. And so here's what happens. The next verse says that then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. The next verse says that then there was an earthquake, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord wasn't in the fire. And just time out real quick. God is the one. Just want to let you know today that God is the one who started earth, wind, and fire. Come on, somebody. It, it, was, it wasn't the band right here. First Kings, earth, wind, and fire. But after that, after all of that, after he shows his power, how did he show up? A still, small voice, a gentle whisper is the way God responded. And so here's what I'm trying to show us today. That, that sometimes God does show up in a powerful display, but oftentimes he shows up in a gentle whisper. And that's why, number two, we need to step into a God encounter. Yes. Put that in your notes. I, I, need, I need a God encounter in my life. I need a moment with God. I need some time in his presence. I'm walking through some difficulties. I'm going through a, a season of depression. Come on, let's get in the presence of God. Because what we believe is that one moment in the presence of God can change everything. And for those of you who watch online, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure you get something out of it. But I'm telling you, there's nothing like being in the room. There's nothing like being with other believers when when you experience the power in the presence of God. 
Because there's, there's no substitute for that. You can't substitute the presence of God. And I'll, I'll go as far to say as it's the best antidepressant. It's the best medicine for our soul is to get into his presence. And a lot of times he shows up in ways that we don't expect it. We're, we're, looking, for the, we're looking for the spectacular. We're looking for the big show. We're looking for the fireworks. And God's not in that all the time. Sometimes he is. Let me say it this way. We're looking for the dynamic, but oftentimes God is in the intimate. God's in the moment when you slow down. And when you take your eyes off of the things of the world and you take your hands off the wheel and you just say, God, have your way. You get in his presence. So what do you do? How do you how do, you do that? What's a practical way? Well, you, you have to create environments of worship for yourself. So... So it happens here on Sunday, it happens on first Wednesday, it happens in some of our small groups, but you've got to cultivate that for your own life. So you, you can't just, like Sunday can't be the only time you get into God's presence, come on. It's got, to be, it's got to be something you develop every day of your life. And you've got to learn to quiet your soul, you've got to learn to make room for God in your life. And that happened for me this week where... Uh, I was, um, I was on my way to work, and I actually, a couple weeks ago, I, I texted our prayer team, and I just asked for prayer, because I knew I would be talking about depression, and oftentimes, the enemy will, he'll, he'll, he'll um, attack my family in the way that I'm preaching, okay? And so I said, hey, I'm, I'm just praying, I'm asking you to pray for my mind, to pray for me. Well, on Friday, I was on my way in, to work, into the office here, and and I'm just, I'm replaying these old negative thoughts. I mean, my mind was just bombarded. I'm ruminating. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about all this stuff. And then it's like in a moment, I go, wait a second. I, I kind of remember what I taught you last week, right? Like, wait, wait a second. I don't, I don't have to do this. And I started singing, I need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out. What did I do? I created an atmosphere right there. And I just changed my mind. I started thinking and, and singing something else. And God showed up in that moment yes, yeah. as I'm about to turn on tap. And I'm telling you, he can do it for you too. Amen. God can meet you right where you are. You've got to get into his presence. Yes. Got to get into his presence. Now, what do we got to do? Psalm says it this way, that we've got to be still and know he's God. He's there. He's for you. Another scripture in Psalm verse, uh, chapter 73, it's, um, this is a psalm of Asaph, okay? Now, Asaph, uh, for those of you who don't know who Asaph is, he was the Eric Rodriguez of, of King David's musicians, all right? So he was like the chief music director for King David. And Asaph was having a, a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And he writes about it in, in Psalm 73, which, by the way, was in your one-year Bible on, on Friday, and so he, for 15 verses, is talking about how bad it is. Oh, how evil the world is, how wicked the people are. But then in verse 16, he says, when I tried to understand all of this, it troubled me. I couldn't understand it all. Until I entered the house of God, until I get on the sanctuary of God, and then things changed for me. And I want you to know that the presence of God has the power to change the things that you're walking through in this life. Amen? So... Let's keep going. We're, we're going through this outline. We're 1 Kings chapter 19. We're going to look at verse 13, 14 now. And it says that, um, that when Elijah heard the still small voice, when he heard that whisper, 
he pulled his cloak over his face, right? He's just, he pulls up his cloak. Now, what does your face represent? It's your identity. It's the only way we know it's you. It's your, it's your face. It's how we identify you. And so, what, what is he doing? He's hiding who he is from God. I, I don't want to talk about it. I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. I'm depressed. I'm struggling. God, I don't want to talk about it. I'm, I'm, I'm in this cave for a reason, God. I'm, I'm, I'm isolating myself. And he pulls his cloak over his face, and he goes out and he stands on the mouth of the cave. So that just lets us know that he's not, he's not out of the cave yet. He's still got a few more steps to take before he's out of the cave. And when he's out of the cave, a voice says to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? Why, why are you here? Why are you isolating? Why are you in this cave? And then Elijah again begins to complain. He offers the same complaint, which is not true, by the way. It's not true. But Elijah says, I've, I've been zealous for the Lord Almighty, and I've, I've, just, I've done everything that I know to do. And he goes on to the next verse. He says, he says the Israelites have rejected your, your covenant. They've torn down your altars. And I, I, the prophets, they put to death with a sword. And I, I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. God, oh, Jesse's after me, God, and I just don't know what to do about this. He's complaining. I'm running from the law. I mean, it's just bad. It's bad. I mean, he, he, what is he doing? He's ruminating. He, he keeps on talking about the same thing over and again. I'm the only one left. They're killing everybody after all that I've done for you. And he's ruminating. What's he doing? He's self-talking himself to a place of insecurity and lack of confidence. Where did the lack of confidence come from? It came from a text message from Jezebel. Modern day equivalent of text message. Instagram messenger. Who do you think you are? You trying to steal my friends? A modern day Facebook messenger just, just came, came from that, that lie of the enemy. And that's what we do. Is we, we end up letting the world tell us who we are instead of letting God tell us who we are. And that's what Elijah did. Elijah, he, he fell for the trap, and he, and he began to ruminate on, on this text message that he got from Jezebel, a threat. And so many times, that's what we do too. So here's what we do. We've, we've, got, a, we've got a number three, we've got to step into our true identity. What, what is that? It's who God says you are. True identity is what God says about you, not what the world says about you. And if, if you are living by the wrong identity, then you will give in to, you will believe a narrative about yourself that is not true. And you'll begin to believe what the marketers say and what the advertisers say. And you'll begin to believe what that person said on social media because you're constantly being told you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, you don't have it together, you, you're unqualified, you're too skinny, you're too fat, you're too tall, you're too short, and that's why you need our product. And so we begin, to, we begin to live our lives based on what everybody else says about us instead of what the, the God who created us says about us. So what do we do? What, what do we do about this dilemma? Well, we've got to believe what he says. We've got to believe what he says. That's why when you walk in these doors on Sunday, we're not beating you over the head with the Bible and telling you how bad you are, how wrong you are. You're going to hell. We're not doing that. Come on. That's not who we are. We're telling you who God says you are, that you're chosen, that you are beloved, that you have a purpose and a destiny. Come on, somebody. Let's give God praise. That's who you are. There's more. 
That's what God wants for you. That's who you are in Christ. And so we, I'm convinced we don't need, hey, listen, we don't need somebody to tell us how bad we've been. We know. We just need to be reminded who we are in Christ. And I'm, I'm telling you this out of, a, out of a place that I learned it for myself. Because last year, 2020, it was a hard year for our family. I could say to you, not, not just because of 2020. That was kind of a piece of cake compared to some of the things we went through last year. Something we dealt with last year was the betrayal of a close friend. And it was hard. I'm telling you, it was the, one of the hardest things we've ever walked through to the point that Annalise was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can keep, I don't know if I can keep being pastor's wife here. I, if this is the way it's going to be, sign me out. It was hard. And it was, it was difficult. And I had to remind myself who I was in Christ. We had to remind ourselves of the call of God on our lives. We had to remind ourselves of what God called us to. And if he called us to something, then by God, he's going to equip us too, right? He's got something for us. And so in the middle of that, man, we were down, we were hurting. And, and uh, I, 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 felt, I came across a translation that came, it just came out today that really illustrates the way I felt. Um, You've probably never heard about it before because it just came out today. It's called the PBT translation, the Pastor Ben translation. And, uh, and this is the way, this is how I felt. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. I have moved my family halfway across the country to start a church in Wichita Falls, but there's not even any falls here. Come on. I've been preaching three services every weekend for nearly three years. I've been through a pandemic, political polarization, and the tension of racial prejudice, and not to mention our culture is going to hell. And God, I'm the only one left in Wichita Falls, Texas. I'm the only one, and now social media is trying to take me out too. I can't can't do it anymore, God. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've felt that before. You felt like, God, where are you at in the middle of all of this? And that's why we've got to step into our true identity. We've got to remember who we are in Christ. Come on, somebody. And so we, we've got to step into a needed recovery. We've got to get healthy. We've got to get healthy physically, emotionally. We've got to step into um, uh, the presence of God, get in, the, get in his presence, a God encounter. We've got to find out who we are in Christ. We're children of the Most High God. But it keeps going. He keeps talking here. And let, let me show you this. Here's what some of us need to know today is that no, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. No one, nobody can do it without, without your permission. But he keeps going. And we're learning something along the way. This next one's probably my favorite. But 1 Kings 19.15 says that the Lord said to Elijah, go back the way you came. Now remember, Last week, we talked about how he went through Beersheba, okay? And God's now telling him, go back the way you came. Go back through Beersheba. Beersheba is the place of the oath. It's the place where God wrecked his life. It's the place where Elijah said, I'm going to serve you forever. It's the place where Elijah went to youth camp, and he got on fire from God, and he came back, and he's like, let's go, baby. Come on. Let's take the world. And God says, go back and do it all over again. Re-up. Decide, decide that you're, you're in it to win it. And so he goes back, and he, he goes to the desert of Damascus. 
And he says, when you get there, I want you to anoint this king, anoint that king, and anoint Elisha, the son of Snapchat from Abel, anoint him. And he says, after you do that, Jehu's going to put to death anybody who escapes Hazel. Elisha's going to put to death anybody who escapes the sword of Jehu. Oh, and Elijah, let me just remind you of something. You think you're the only one. You, you think that, that there's nobody else. Nobody knows the trouble of Nobody knows but Jesus. You think you're the only one, Elijah? Let, 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 me, just, let me let you in on something, Elijah. There are 7,000 other people. No, you're not the only one. There are 7,000 people in Israel who have not bowed their knee to Baal, and they've not kissed the idols of Baal. Elijah, come on, you're not the only one. And what does he do? He gives Elijah something to do. He gives him some work. He puts him back to work. Go do this. Go anoint this guy. Go take care of this guy. And here's, here's number four. Here's the thing I want you to see. If this is the only, only one I could give you is that you have to step into a new assignment. If you're going to get out of the cave, you've got you to gotta find a new assignment. Sociologists tell us that there is power in a project. There's power when you discover that there's something more for your life. That you weren't created to just exist and it doesn't have to be this way for the rest of your life. That, let me say it this way. If your life is about paying bills and having thrills, then you will never be fulfilled. You're always going to be looking. You're always going to be searching for the thing that's going to make you happy, the thing that's going to make you significant in this world. But when you discover that God has a purpose for your life and you begin to live that purpose out, making a difference for other people, that's when you go to a whole nother level. Because it's when you, dis when you discover what God has for you. So uh, let me say it this way. It's why I love First Saturday Serve. First Saturday Serve happens the first Saturday of every month. I love how simple we are here, by the way. Just first Wednesday, first Wednesday, first Saturday, first Saturday of every month. But it's, oh, I love first Saturday serve because I, yesterday after, after prayer, we have, we have Saturday morning prayer here in the auditorium every Saturday. So some of you who love prayer, come on, this is your, it's your jam. Saturday morning at nine o'clock right here. So I left from here and I went up to Burke and we, were, we had a team up there that was at the festival, and they were giving out waters and just saying, hey, we love you. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. Hey, a, a little something to let you know that, that, that we love you. God does too. And uh, I left from there, and I, went, I stopped by um, Sputter Park really quick. And I got there, and the team had already grilled up 400 hamburgers. They were almost through giving away 400 meals to people in that area. And, and people are serving, and they're using their gifts and their talents, and they're just making a difference. And I love seeing that. Why? Because it's their purpose. Like, they're, they're living out their purpose in life, that there's something greater for them. And then it, it reminds me of why we, why we have church the way we have church. It reminds me why we give the way that we give. It reminds me, why do we do the growth track? Why do we do the dream team? So, Pastor Ben, how do, how do I find this new assignment? How do I discover what God wants me to do? The way we do it here is, is what we call growth track. And, and it's really simple, but growth track is our best way to help you discover the new assignment God has for you. Today, you have one more opportunity to go today, right after this service at 11 o'clock, right out those doors in the room that says growth track, where the person who's holding the sign saying growth track, that place, 
right there, and we'll help you over the next three weeks discover who you are in Christ, the gifts that he's put inside of you, the talents, the abilities, the things that he's birthed in you. We will help you discover that and then begin to live it out. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it'll be, it will make a difference in your life. It's why Proverbs says it this way, that where there's no vision, people perish. When you don't have purpose for your life, you just wander aimlessly. But when you have vision, when you know what you're called to do, it makes all the difference in the world. And so let me say this last thing about, about your assignment. For some of you, you just feel like you got all these problems. You got all this stuff going on in your life. But I would, I would propose to you today that the problem is not your problems. The problem is the fact that you don't have anything bigger than your problems to live for. That you don't have the power of a project, the power of a purpose in your life. Amen? All right. So we're going to finish up. The last, the last thing we see here, we're just going through this story of Elijah. The last thing we see here in, in, in uh, 1 Kings 19 is that Elijah goes from there. He finds Elisha. And he was plowing with 12 yoke. And he himself was driving the 12th pair, Elisha was. And then look what happens. Elijah went up to Elisha and threw his cloak around him. And they're like, what does that mean? Like, why would he do that? Why did he take off his cloak and throw it around Elisha? So what that meant in those days was it, is, it was a transfer of power. It was a transfer of authority. Elijah took his cloak off and he says, hey, what I've been doing, you're fig to do. What I've been, what I've been, how God's been using me, God's about to use you this way. And you're going to get a double portion. And so he wrapped his cloak around him and he said, he, he imparted the anointing of God on his life into Elisha. And from that day forward, we never see Elijah alone again. And we also never see him depressed again. And that's why number four, Elijah got his life back when he stepped into, when he stepped into a relational strength. Did you, he, he got somebody around him. He got people around him. He stepped into a small group. He got relational with somebody. He, he took off the mask and he said, hey, I, I haven't been doing well. I need somebody in my life. I need, I need somebody walking with me, helping me. I need somebody to hold my arms up. And he began to walk with Elisha. And here's, here's the thing about that, is that you were never meant to do life alone. You were never meant to be isolated. I'm just so, I'm so depressed. I got so, I'm, I'm so weighed down. Step into a relational strength. Who, who knows? Who knows how you're feeling right now? Who have you taken the mask off with and just gotten real with that person? It's why, we, it's why we're a church of groups. That we believe so strongly that you need somebody in your life that you can be real with. And if you're here today... And you'd say, Pastor Ben, I, I'm, I'm alone in my thoughts. Like if you're here and nobody else knows what you're thinking, that's a dangerous place to be. If you're here today and you're the only one who knows your secrets, then you'll always be as sick as your secrets. I don't want to do this. I keep doing the same thing over and over again. I keep, I keep looking at this. I keep drinking this. I keep taking this. Who knows? Who knows? You got to tell, you don't have to tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody. You need to tell somebody. 
You need to find relational strength. Maybe for some of you, it's just the fact that you're, you're not in relationship with the right people. You're not in relationship with the people that, that could take you to another level, the people that could encourage you, the, the people that love you. Um, it's been said this way, that if you got to look carefully at your closest associations in your life, for that is the direction you're headed. The way we like to say it here is, show us your friends and we'll show you your future. Show us your friends and we'll show you your future. You've got to step into a relational strength. You've got to step into a moment where it might be painful at first, but I promise you, it'll change your life for the better. Do you believe that? Come on, has this helped you today? Come on, let's give God praise today. Let's thank God. I ask you to bow your heads with me close your eyes and let's just take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit what he's saying to you what's he speaking to you today what's he whispering to your heart what's he saying to you what is he what what do you feel in this moment and for those of you who are here today and you say Ben I'm I'm desperate I need a touch of God I'm, I'm desperate for a move of God in my life. I'm desperate for the needed recovery. I need a God encounter. I need to, I need to re- recall my true identity. I need to remember who I am in Christ. I need to discover the purpose and the call of God on my life. And I, I, need, I need relational strength in my life. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. If that's you, I just want to pray for you today. Father, for every person who needs to take a step. Maybe for somebody here, it's just stepping into... It's, it's stepping into attending church on a regular basis. Maybe for somebody, it's, it's being water baptized today. Maybe for somebody, it's growth track. It's a next step for them. Maybe for somebody, it's getting in a small group and finding community, brotherhood and sisterhood that will love them and, and, and care for them and pray for them. Lord, I, I, I cancel the assignment of depression on every person here today. Every person watching online, I say, Satan, you have to take your hands off of every person in Jesus' name. You have no authority in our lives anymore. We surrender to God. We surrender to you, Lord, and we ask you to move in our hearts, move in our lives, draw us closer to you. Let us know you. Let us have relationship with you today. Pull us out of the cave. Let us step out of the cave of darkness and into the light of Jesus Christ. And with your head still bowed, if you're here today and you'd say, Ben, I don't know God. I'm far from God. I've been calling the shots. I've been living my own way. I've been doing what I want to do. I've I've been making my own decisions and living the way that I want to live. And you're far from God. Maybe you've drifted and you feel the weight in this moment. You feel the heaviness. You feel the weight of your sin, the weight of your choices. I want to just tell you today that it doesn't get better trying to do it on your own. It'll never get better. What you need today is to step into the relational strength of a a relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to step into a moment with Jesus Christ where he becomes your Lord and your Savior and you surrender everything to him, where you give all to him. And if that's you today, on the count of five, count of three, count of three, I just want to invite you to lift up your hand. Nobody's looking, just me and you, and I want to pray for you. I don't lead you in a prayer today. If that's you, you say, Ben, I'm ready to go all in. I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm ready to begin a relationship with Jesus today.
If that's you, one, two, three. Come on, slip up your hands. Say, that's me. I'm going all in. Come on, one. Anybody else? Say, that's me. Pastor Ben, that's me. I'm going all in today. Relational, re- relationship with Jesus. I'm going all in. Who else? Anybody else? Come on, let's be bold, be courageous. Anybody else? I'm going all in with Jesus. Amen. All right. Hey, let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the one. For the one. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence and your power. Come on, say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, we give our lives to you. I give you my life, my heart, my soul, my mind, my strength, all that I am. I'm not running anymore. I'm running to you. I'm going to you, my Savior, my Lord, my everything. From this day forward, I will serve you, and I will love you, and I will live for you the best way I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God today. Let's thank Him for His presence and His power.